0: The challenge with that was is that I had my personal credit tied to a lot of things. So all the years I would spent building up my personal credit, building up relationships with investors, with relationships with banks, and relationships with just every single other person in that industry came to a crashing halt. Before we
1: get into today's episode, I want to mention today's best ever partner and give you a free gift. And that partner is FundNetFlip. And they're going to be giving you a free deal analysis spreadsheet You know who Fund That Flip is, don't you? Because you're a loyal best-ever listener. They've been a sponsor on the show. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fund That Flip, has been on the podcast multiple times, giving us his insight on the online lending process. Fund That Flip provides fast, reliable funding for your house flip projects. They're an online platform, makes the application process entirely easy, and they've got a whole bunch of experts on their team who can help you get funding in 24 hours and close within as few as seven days and all of you best ever listeners you're getting a free spreadsheet to help you analyze your projects go to fundthatflip.com/bestever. forward slash best ever that's fund that forward slash best ever and you'll get a free deal analysis tool it'll help you provide a scope of work for your projects create the scope of work analyze the profitability of the project or if it's not profitable you need to know that too and make a determination on the max purchase price super important you can print out all the detailed reports and that will help you get your deals funded faster. Go to fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Get that free analysis tool, fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We don't get into any fluffy stuff. We only talk about the best advice that moves your real estate investing business forward. Well, I hope you're having a wonderful weekend and a best ever, actually, Saturday. Because it's Saturday, we're going to do a special segment called Skill... Oh, nope, not Skill Saturday. Situation Saturday. All those S's trip me up. Situation Saturday, where our best ever guest talks about a sticky situation he was in and how he overcame it so that if we come across a similar situation, we know how to approach it with us today a returning best ever guest how you doing kevin bupp
0: joe i'm doing great man thanks for having me back and uh allowing me to spend some time with your best ever audience again looking forward to it, my friend
1: yeah looking forward to it i always enjoy our conversations and holy cow i'm looking at the last time i interviewed you and it was episode get ready for this 16 One six. (laughs) There are like, I don't know what episode this is right now, but it's probably like 900. You were 16 and now we're at 900. Isn't that incredible?
0: I feel special. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I should, be in the, I should be in the Hall of Fame.
1: You should be. You're one of the originals. That's for sure. You were there whenever I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I think I was recording on my iPhone with some headphones in, and I was editing the episodes myself. So as much as I'd like to refer Best Ever listeners to your previous episode, which there's a link in the show notes page, just be warned. I do a tremendously bad job. At interview, at interviewing because there's only 16th time.
0: Isn't it uncomfortable going back and listening to like oh, your beginning interviews? Because man. I I don't even do it. I kind of cringe listening to myself.
1: <laughs> Nailed on my chalkboard. It's it's disgustingly yeah. bad. But you know what? We just keep on rolling, and eventually some stuff works out. A little bit about Kevin. He has personally done more than 40 million dollars worth of real estate transactions over 16 years. His experience in investing has taken him to that level, and his specialty is mobile home parks. He's a serial entrepreneur. You can hear his backstory if you're brave enough to listen to episode 16 and learn all about his backstory. We won't get into that as much as we are the sticky situation he was in and how we overcame it on this episode. He's based in Clearwater, Florida. You can check his website out. Link is in the show notes page. He is a speaker at the Best... Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Conference, so you'll be able to hear him and see him speak for the, if you haven't seen him before, for the first time in Denver, Colorado, February 24th, 25th. With that being said, Kevin, before we dive into the sticky situation, you want to give the Best Ever listeners a little bit more about your background?
0: Yeah, sure thing, Joe. Well, I'm 37 today as of this interview, and I've basically been in real estate my entire adult life, I guess. I got introduced to it at 19 and bought my first property at 20 while still in community college, bartending part-time, not really knowing what I wanted to do with my life. And I just got lucky someone brought me into the business. I mean, literally, I had no interest, didn't know anything about real estate. And must have saw like a lost kid kind of wandering around, not knowing what he wanted to do. And they took me right their wing. And that was my introduction to it. And so from that point forward, this is all I've done. Early on, I, I focused on single-family homes. I was always a cash flow type of guy. At least I thought I was but it was really single family homes initially built up a big portfolio of single family homes and moved on to apartments and acquired about 350 units of apartments. And all this happened before 2008 and lost pretty much a lot of what I had, about 95% of what I had in the crash of 2008, and have since rebuilt myself, rebuilding myself on a completely different asset class of mobile home parks. And so today, for the past five years, Basically, all we focused on is mobile home parks. I just still own a few single-family homes, and I uh, just sold uh, my last commercial property that I owned. Was, uh, had a multifamily component as well. And so today, other than a few single-family homes, all we own are mobile home parks, and we're in seven different states at this point. So that's just a really quick 10,000-foot view of me and my background.
1: Mobile home parks is what you're focused on now. Let's talk about the sticky situation you are in, and tell us a story on that, please.
0: The sticky situation, really, it ties back to 2008 when I lost pretty much everything I'd worked for. I was kind of young and dumb at that point in time. I mean, I thought I was smart. I thought I knew more than anyone else. On paper, I was worth a lot of money, had kind of built everything from scratch, built quite a large portfolio of single-family homes and apartments, and was making great money, and everything came crumbling down. I was partnered with some guys that were 20 years my senior that had been through a few cycles before. And this was really kind of going at their guidance. they saw it kind of coming, but it was too late to really liquidate anything. We tried. We tried to fire, sell properties. And we weren't over leveraged, but the market here in Southwest Florida, it crashed just so incredibly fast that our heads were spinning. And so the challenge with that was is that I had my personal credit tied to a lot of things. So all the years I'd spent building up my personal credit, building up relationships with investors, with relationships with banks, and relationships with just every single other person in that industry, Came to a crashing halt. I mean, I tried to salvage what I could. I tried to work with banks back then. Banks were not willing to work with borrowers. A couple years into it, they were, but initially they were not. And so I basically killed every relationship that I had with the banks just because I was defaulting on tens of millions of dollars worth of loans. My credit was shot, and so my challenge was, Joe, is that I took a two-year hiatus from real estate just because I just really didn't want to think anything about it at that point, which was the wrong thing to do. Now that I look back, but either way, I took a two-year hiatus. But when I wanted to get back in, my challenge was that. I had tens of millions of dollars worth of negative debt or bad debt still looming on me personally. And I had like a 450 credit score and I had a tarnished track record. So it's a little bit different than getting into this business. A lot of people say, well, I had no credit. I had no money. (laughs) Well, I kind of had no credit, no money, but I also had a lot of bad credit and I couldn't really even rely on, I could say like what I had done in the past, like I could kind of use that as my story. And I had, the story made sense. It happened to a lot of other people that were way smarter than I, But it still didn't look good in the eyes of banks, especially in like 2010. It was already hard enough to get loans and to get credit, even if you had great credit. And so I went into a challenge mode where I was like, i got to figure this out. Like, I want to start buying real estate again, and I don't want to buy a single family home here or there. I'd already kind of looked back at my business model and realized that that was the broken component of it focusing on, I thought I was a cash flow investor, but really when I look back, I realized it was more appreciation that I was looking for, at least in the single family home component. But the broken component of my entire business model really was single family homes in general. They didn't cash flow a lot. It was just inefficient to manage and just, it wasn't a good business move. And so I was like, okay, I need to get back into multifamily. And I was introduced to mobile home parks kind of during that discovery time. But I was like, well, crap, I have terrible credit. I can't get a loan. I me mean, what, what am I going to do? I know I want to do this. I had a little bit of money, not much. And so what I did was, I said, you know, all I need to do, I need to find someone that's got a track record. I need to find someone that will believe my story, that can see past all the negatives, and will come on as basically what your guest probably knows as a sponsor, will be my sponsor, and will basically be the head child of our company, the person that I can rely on, that has good credit, that has a track record, someone that's been in the business, the mobile home park business, and someone I could rely on at least to get my first couple of deals done. Because I knew in order to... Kind of move forward with this, I need to at least get a couple of deals out of the way. I felt comfortable in the asset class. I felt comfortable executing on a plan, but there's no way in heck that anyone's going to give me credit. And there's really challenging even to go out into investors and ask them for money when they start looking at my personal track record as to what happened to me. And so that's what I did. I basically, Joe, I literally went on LinkedIn and I went on a recruiting mission and I learned everything I could about searching LinkedIn. I actually started reaching out to experts that train people on how to use LinkedIn effectively and uh, found out some unique tips and tricks on how to search and how to get the best search results and started searching people that were experts already in the mobile home park space that either were in the financing side or on the operational side, asset managers. I basically talked to, I don't know, I, I think I had a list initially of like 100 people, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. Mm-hmm. And uh, my pitch to them was kind of, here's who I am, here's what's happened, here's what I've owned, I've got experience, but here's my challenge. And here's what my perceived solution is. And this is how you might fit into this potential solution. And I just gave my little sales pitch of potentially partnering and being a sponsor with us. And in exchange for them, really not doing anything other than being the head of our company would get a significant amount of equity on the first round of deals that we did. And it's exactly what happened. It took me about four months to find the person that was the right fit and his name was Randy, and he came on board as a partner initially in our company. He's no longer a partner, but he still is a mentor of mine, but he allowed me to get into this business, and he allowed me to credit in the track record, so I basically just piggybacked on him initially. Once I got it for the first couple of deals done, it was kind of all said and done at that point in time. Now I had a track record, a kind of rebuilt track record. I could show people that I knew what I was doing in this industry or in this asset class, and to this day, I really credit Randy with helping me get back into the business, get back into the game. Because I look back and it would have been an immense struggle. Not that it couldn't have been done, but it would have been an immense struggle without him on board. And so that's how I got out of the sticky situation I was in.
1: That is a fascinating story. I did not know that. So many questions. How about the first one is how did you identify – the right sponsor, knowing that when 2008 hit, you said there were people who had a lot more experience than you and it helped facilitate you being in that bad spot. I mean, clearly first person you'll blame is yourself, but the reality is you were also surrounded by by people who had more experience than you and it didn't work out. So how did you pick the next person who had more experience than you?
0: You know, I was very specific. I mean, number one, they had to be in the mobile home park space. So they had to have a track record. In fact, what I was looking for was someone that they're on the operations side. They needed to either currently own or have owned at least a thousand lots or a thousand pads. And so that was like a criteria. Another criteria was that they had to have good credit. They actually had to have like a decent balance sheet. And I wasn't my first talk with a lot of people. I didn't say, you know, tell me what your net worth is. But I just was very general nature saying, here are my challenges. And the person I'm looking for, needs to have like the complete opposite of what I have, which is they need to have some money. They need to have good credit. They need to have some parks under ownership, or at least a track record showing that they've been in this business and they've been successful at it. And so I was just very transparent and I really laid everything out on the line when I got people on the phone. Like I initially started these contacts as I bought like a whole bunch of credits on LinkedIn as uh, I think they're called in-mails. Yep. So a lot of these people, they weren't my direct connections. And so I just went on a rampage and started sending personalized messages out to people that I thought were either were in the business or were active in the business. And once I got them on the phone, I was just very transparent with them. And I said, in order to set some kind of foundation, like I just, I want you to know that I'm going to be transparent with you and I expect the same because there's some very specific things that I'm looking for. And so I just kind of let it out in the open. Now, there were actually two guys that I thought were going to become the Randy before I met Randy. And I found out once I dug in that. They had a little bit of a tarnished record they weren't transparent about on the front end.
1: Like what did you end up finding out without being too specific to like, call people out? but just One of them
0: had owned like 3,500 lots over a 30-year span. He was in the business. And back in like 2001, there was a pretty major crash in the mobile home park financing space or mobile home financing space. And so there was a lot of repos that were yanked out of parks, and that really hurt the park owners. And uh, he had like 2,000 of his 3,000 properties that went into default. And I know it was a long time ago, but that was the majority of his track record were those 3,000 lots. And he hadn't been buying a lot in the past 10 or 15 years. And so it was really hard for me to put a lot of weight on his past experience, at least in the banker's eyes, when he had things failed. And then uh, he told me, he finally told me, I mean, once we got a little bit closer, he finally told me what had happened. And so that didn't work out. And then the next guy, he had owned about 1,500 lots. And I got talking to one of the big operators in the industry, just kind of throwing names around because he knew a lot of people. And he said, oh, I know that guy. He's like, be very careful. I mean, he's he's very litigious in nature. Like I could tell you multiple lawsuits that he started with other partners or ex-partners. And so that one right away, I like, okay, well, I really respected this person's opinion. And I didn't even try to dig deeper. I just decided at that point that I respect his opinion enough to where I'm just going to shy away from that potential partner as well. <laughs> the, so, person who's giving, um,
1: the person who's giving you his opinion, why didn't you reach out to
0: that person to be the Randy? It's actually Frank Roth. They're like the third largest private park owner in the country, and they're just a different business. He wasn't really interested in being a sponsor with a small guy just getting started. They kind of mm-hmm. had their own thing going. They got multiple funds. It wasn't the right fit for him. That's mm-hmm. why.
1: Yeah. And what were you offering when you reached out to them? You reached out to, you said, I believe over 40 people, right? You had a list of 100, but you reached out to over 40. Did I hear that right?
0: Yeah, I reached out to 100, and I think it really got narrowed down to about 40 from like the first email or first message I sent out. And then I actually okay. had like phone conversations or in-person meetings if they were local. If they were somewhere in Florida, I would actually drive and meet them. But I had about 16 in-person conversations mm-hmm. and then narrowed it down really to like three. And the other two fell out kind of uh, in the first couple of weeks of us having a a deeper discussion, and then I ended up with Randy. So that's how it worked out.
1: Okay. With these conversations, I mean, you reached out to them, and what were you offering them?
0: Number one, I said you didn't have to do anything at all. So unless I needed their credit, if I needed their credit as a guarantor, they need to sign on like a CMBS, like the bad boy carve-outs, I would give them like a little additional kicker of 3%. But if they didn't have to do anything other than just be like on the resume, and be a part of the deal. I'd give them five percent. And then there was additional kickers built in. Like if I they agree. had to sign a recourse note, there was another three percent kicked in. And if it was a non-recourse note, it was like a point and a half. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have to put any money in. They didn't even have to be actively involved. We had like a consulting structure set up. So if they were going to come on site to do diligence with me, or they're going to do different things, that they were going to be a part of the actual loan application process. Like there was additional consulting, like hourly fee structured in there. But Joe, I really felt very confident that I could do pretty much everything, even the money component of it. I didn't need their money. I just really needed their track record. So I could basically say, Hey, this is my partner and he's owned this much. He's been in the business this long. Mm -hmm. That's really what I needed. And so I think on the first couple that there's two deals were recourse. And so I think it ended up where um, Randy, plus in addition to consulting fees, he got about 8% of the equity in the deal mm-hmm. of the general partner side for doing nothing other than just signing his name on the note. And he had the first right of refusal as well. I gave him the first right of refusal to say, yeah, on the deal, especially mm-hmm. if he was going to sign his name yeah. on it. Even if he didn't
1: have the first right of refusal, even <laughs> if it was the last, it wouldn't it make right. sense for him to have first because then you did all sorts of Yeah, kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. 8% on the general partnership side. Just for best ever listeners to have some context, how much money is that?
0: That's a good question. I'd have to really think about that because we still actually own those properties today. From a cash flow perspective or from like an equity point? What do you, you know, what, I guess if I had a, I don't know, I'd have to look, but I, I mean, if I just had a ballpark figure, I'd say he'd probably $80,000 a year in distribution from that. Okay. And I don't know, maybe a half a million dollars, maybe slightly more than that in equity. So it was three deals we did together. I did three deals with him. After those three deals, I gave him the option, not as much of a split if yep. he wasn't going to do anything. And we, so, you know, we're still friends. We don't, I mean, we don't talk every day, but we're still acquaintances. But he just decided like, hey, I, I'm glad I could help. And it was a good run. And we'll just stick in these couple of deals together until they run their course. And we'll go our own separate ways. So.
1: And uh, 80000 a year, ballpark, rough ballpark, that's across three deals or that's per deal?
0: No, that's three deals. Okay, cool. Three deals.
1: cool, All right, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, just for additional – Yeah, per deal, that would
0: be that, – That's a good one. <laughs> just, just for additional yeah.
1: context, when we have used a sponsor to sign on the loan with us for liquidity and net worth purposes when we were getting started – we paid a quarter of a percent of the loan balance and some equity, which equals about what you're saying here per deal. Mm -hmm. So where the compensation package is pretty similar.
0: You know, what I did is I actually talked to a securities attorney that actually was an investor himself. He did a lot of syndications. And so I kind of got some feedback from people before. I just didn't throw that together haphazardly. I got some feedback, consultation from those that, if you were in my shoes, knowing what you know about me, what would you offer? What do you think would be enticing to someone else that's already experienced, that's got the track record, that doesn't need me, but I need them. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of how I came up with that. And the feedback was actually good. I had plenty of people after my little sales pitch to them. I had more than three that would have had an interest in going deeper in dialogue with me about that opportunity. So, mm-hmm.
1: What did you pay on an hourly rate if that needed to be acquired? I,
0: I think it was about 200 bucks an hour. It was pretty high. Yeah. yeah. Plus all travel expenses. And so if if he was going to meet me on site somewhere, whether in-state or out-of-state, I'd reimburse all travel expenses, airfare, hotel, lodging. Basically, it was a all-inclusive consultation type arrangement outside of that equity and outside of the kicker for any kind of debt guarantee.
1: Did you actually end up Doing that, did you pay for a trip for him or someone else who you worked with to come on? I did site? one.
0: Yeah, I actually had him come meet me. only just to get his comfort level with like my analysis of being on site and actually meeting with the proper people and kind of. I wanted him to see it through my eyes to let him know like I knew what the heck I was doing. Mm-hmm. And the good thing was, it was in Florida. The first day it was in Florida, and so. It wasn't too far from him. wasn't too far from me, so I didn't have to pay like massive airfares or you know, a bunch of hotel lodging and things like that. But I did. And honestly, after that first one, and I even met a bunch of times before we even like executed on this agreement to work together. So he was already pretty comfortable with my knowledge of the industry, even though it was still off theory at that point in time, because I had not yet bought a park yet. But after we met at that first park during our on-site due diligence, which was pretty far into it, so we'd already done all the off-site majority of it. Had already worked out financing and things like that. And so once we met on site and spent like a day and a half there, I think that just gave him the comfort level. After that point in time, I let it up to him. If he wanted to come, on those other deals. If he wanted to come make a trip there or whatever, it was completely up to him to make the decision if he wanted to actually make those trips and be more involved to where I would pay him as a consultant. So I just, I kind of left it open-ended. He didn't take advantage of it. And he just, we built a lot of trust in that first deal. And after that, I don't think I paid him any fees after that point in time as a consultant, or at least as that arrangement was set up. I think it was on that first deal. Maybe it was a total of 2,000 bucks, something like that. Was very minimal.
1: This story is going to help a lot of Best Ever listeners, and it also helps me, quite frankly, just reinforcing the type of compensation that sponsors should receive in scenarios similar to this, because that's a question I get asked fairly regularly, and I did a YouTube video about it as a result, and I will now amend it a little bit just to incorporate this story and reference your story. Thanks for being on the show. What's the best ever place the listeners can reach you?
0: I uh, you can either reach me at my personal website, which is kevinbuff.com And my last name is spelled B as in boy, U and two P's like Paul. So com, And then they can also reach me at the mobilehomeparkacademy.com. And that's a site where you can listen to my previous shows. Uh, that We have a weekly show on mobile home park investing. They can download all those shows and get a bunch of other information about the business and what it is we're doing in the business and so forth. So mm-hmm. those are two best places they can reach me.
1: Great stuff. Best ever listeners. Highly recommend you go listen to his podcast on mobile home parks. That's for sure. If you're interested or focused on it right now. And if you're making out to Denver, Colorado for the best ever conference, February 24th, 25th, you shall see Kevin there also. So thanks so much for being on the show. Wonderful talking about this stuff. I just, I eat this up, especially when it's packaged in with a story of overcoming millions of dollars of bad debt and bad credit score and bad track record. And now to where you've come and thriving now. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for having me, Joe. Remember to get your free deal analysis tool for your flips at fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P dot com forward slash best ever. It will detail your scope of work, help you analyze if the project's profitable and make a determination on the max purchase price. fundthatflip.com dot com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners. It is here. Well, it's almost here. February 24th and 25th. The conference, the Best Ever Conference. Have you signed up yet? Oh, if you haven't, you better sign up right now. It's going to sell out, besteverconference.com. I'm going to be there. A bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. Just go to besteverconference.com and look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you move your business forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference, they want to meet you in person. Go to besteverconference.com.